meeting to a start. Welcome back to the clubhouse for another Order of the Straight Arrow meeting. You got myself, Scoutmaster Dustin, to my right, the historian, Denim, also known as <laughs> Smoking Dart. Smokes with Dart. Across from me, I have the local hothead, the tip of the spear, also known as Free Beer. What's up, motherfucker? <laughs> Thank you for joining us, Lucas. And to my left, we have uh, your neighborhood... What, level-headed neighborhood cool kid? What, what's it called again? Something like that. Yep, the Keeping It Real consultant is uh, Chief Runs with Bins. Thank you, Lays with Beef. Thanks for getting my name right. <laughs> Anyways, uh, let's start off the meeting with a straight arrow oath. If you'd like to take it off, hand over your heart. Uh, if you're wearing civilian clothes, uh, three-finger salute will we'll do. And uh, take it away, historian. A straight arrow tells the truth. A straight arrow loves nature. A straight arrow never serves his neighbor dog. A straight arrow is against Bill H.R. 57, which would allow the importation of South American propane. Weema Tanya. Weema Tanya. All right. This meeting is going to be a hot one. Freebeer brought the beers this time. Freebeer did. Let's all give him a round, a round of, applause. of applause. I think that's a... Uh, Point towards your badge. And uh, free Thank beer, you if you're really seriously considering dropping the free beer moniker, <laughs> this needs to be like a daily thing. <laughs> like, you have one case ain't enough, son. You know, you got the Cinnabar briefcase in here, but I'm going to need one daily. <laughs> I can't make any promises, but I'll do my best. I'll tell you that much. Ah, oh, beautiful. All right, so let's talk about what we're here to talk about. Episode six of the DVDs, seven uh, on the internet, and I'll let the historian tell the rest. So yeah, this is uh, season one, episode seven, Westy Side Story. The original air date was March second, nineteen ninety seven. It was written by Jonathan Abel and Glenn Berger. <laughs> it was directed by Sheasley or Brian Sheasley. <laughs> and so Jonathan Abel was producer on the Trolls movie, the Monster Truck movie, and like all the Kung Fu Panda movies. Wait, did he have anything to do with Trolls 2, the best movie of all time? No, that was singular. One troll, the sequel. How this unfortunate. Is Trolls with the crazy hair. Um, but yeah, him and I guess him and Glenn Berger, they're like partners. They do a bunch of stuff together. They wrote like a lot of episodes on King of the Hill together. Uh, they, they were on for a while. They wrote probably like, I want to say like 15 episodes together. Anything else they've touched that we'd be familiar with? Kung Fu Panda, the greatest movie of all time. Have you seen Kung Fu Panda 2? No. I love Kung Fu Panda. It's a good one. But I noticed that like a lot of these people that worked on King of the Hill went to work on, uh, Kung Fu Panda and like all the spinoffs and stuff. And I think it might be through these guys cause they're the producers of it. Do they have any behind the scenes footage? On I don't know I have to maybe I should buy the Kung Fu Panda DVDs. 
about the amount that you talk about that movie on the show. <laughs> I'm surprised you don't. I mean, I love it. It's great. I mean, like the the I think it's a goose. He wears like a hat full of like ramen noodles. <laughs> like, I think I know what you're wearing for Halloween this year. You I would make the best panda. But you wouldn't make no kung fu. <laughs> just be like lethargic panda. <laughs> Couch potato panda one. Kung, fetch me another beer. (laughs) There's a dog in the clubhouse today. If you're hearing any weird moaning sounds, it's not coming from any of the Order of the Straight Arrow members. I promise it's a dog. Yeah, we kept it uh, in theme with the episode today. And he is going to be delicious. (laughs) (laughs) I guess this is a a good segue for me to get into my uh, West Side story. Uh, Before we're finished, I didn't, um, I didn't, say who directed it. It was Brian Sheasley and he, this was his only foray into King of the Hill and he went on to Futurama t- for like five years after this and he's just bounced around other... That's funny TV. that he he wrote and directed this? No, he just directed it. Brian he, Sheasley. He directed it. It's he funny. had nothing to do with Kung Fu Panda. Okay, because so he's from Futurama. This episode we meet Lauren Tom who is the voice of Connie and she was probably most known for her role as Amy Wong in Futurama. Uh, I can totally see it. Yeah, they do sound alike. Yeah, she did a bunch of stuff. She's been in Bad Santa, Friends, and like a thousand animated shows. Like so many, like the list just goes on and on. Did you drop the name Connie? Is that Con's wife? No, That's Con the, Jr. the daughter, oh, Con Jr. Okay. She's called Connie? Well, her... I don't think she's called that in the show at her all. Her class, because her parents don't call her, they call her Con Jr., but like it's her classmates and friends... Like, she wants to be Connie because it sounds like a girl's name. See, I haven't seen that far. I guess, yeah. <laughs> Please be gentle with me. Well, yeah. I think... Uh, don't, don't, don't they address it in the episode where they say how, like, how, um, how Connie, like, mentions to Bobby that how her dad wanted her originally to be a boy, and that's why she was named Con? Yeah, I guess we should throw this mic back over to Corn uh, here for our... So we can at least yeah, find out what yeah, this episode's about. Yeah, absolutely. So to... Uh, to give us a little b- 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 breakdown of the uh, synopsis here in the episode, uh, Hank and the rest of the gang on Rainy Street gets a bit of a culture shock when their new Laotian neighbors move in next door. Back to what I was getting at. the uh, I could talk about West Side Story here briefly. Uh, 1961 film uh, based off the 1957 Broadway musical, which was oh, based yeah. on Romeo and Juliet. Oh, it sure. won 10 Oscars, which is a record for musical or comedy. I think they grouped those two together. Yeah. And Until La La Land. Mm-hmm. But I crunched, I crunched some numbers on it. What I thought was fascinating is like this movie was a true blockbuster in its day. They made it, <coughs> they made it in 1961 for $6 million, and it grossed $43.7 million. So I, I looked online at today's like you know currency would it be worth it would have been 50 million to make it and it would have grossed over 371 million and like talk about like you know back then how many countries it was in probably not that many like this movie yeah. was was a was a big was a big league hitter that's, that, that's a pretty rock solid turnaround in the budget too yeah those are some dr evil numbers fucking some money yeah, yeah and the second one too <laughs> yeah, i can't believe i haven't seen it what's that the west side story it's I know it's Romeo and Juliet, and I, I just uh, haven't seen it. Fair I enough. like musicals. I don't know if I do. No, I don't think I do. I oh. find them annoying. Oh, I like them. They're fun. What you never seen Grease two? Grease yeah. two is about a bike. 
<laughs> the guy sucks at riding a motorcycle for like an hour and a half, and then, and then he's good for a bit. <laughs> like, he's, seriously, it's just like stock footage of this dude who's not Danny Zuko. He's blonde. I fucking think. Like, it's fucking trash. <laughs> Uh, so now we're finally starting the episode. We have the cold opening, the opening scene, and the guys are all sitting around on their respected lawnmowers, which is just so awesome. Like, I, that's something I aspire to at one point in my life, I to have a ride on lawnmower and three buddies that live across the street from me or next door. Just finish mowing their lawns, sitting there with their Alamos. Just, why well, get off the mower? You know those lawns don't need to be mowed. No. <laughs> like, it's just busy work. They were all mowed yesterday, man. <laughs> But then the moving van rolls up in front of them. I like it. It says budget movers on the side. Yeah, but it's spelled like budge. Yeah. Damn right. Yeah, it's it's a little a little, little, little bit of a gag there. Yeah, and uh, the the guys are very happy and optimistic when they see a, a moving truck come in and they see who they think their new neighbors are. Yeah, you know, dad and son combo. Son's got the football jersey on. Yeah, I love how Hank already gauges his like height, weight. And, like, playing position just from, like, looking at him from, like, 100 yards away. And Dale, did you notice Dale kind of checking out? Like, I, I don't have, I don't know what he said, but did you notice when he checked him out? What yeah, he was saying? He, but I, I just want to say, he flipped up his glasses. Did anybody else notice that? That happens twice this episode. I think he, I think he, uh, I think he might, I think he might be a little interested. That's what I was saying before. And yeah, you guys all no, shut I know, down. I know, but that's because I now I'm thinking about Look it. Look at how he lifts with his legs. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, just like uh, further back to that last episode where he was, uh, where he's making the comments on the football player's butt, the muscular butt. Mm. Seems to, uh, yeah. I, th I think I gotta agree with you there. He's uh, something going on with Dale. Yeah, he's got some tendencies something's going on behind For those sure. shades. Yeah, and uh, I want to continue speaking on speaking about those shades. Uh, I found out something interesting, actually. I was doing a little bit of digging, and I found the actual do's and don'ts that the animators have to follow for King of the Hill. And number 23, Dale doesn't flip up his glasses. They break the rule twice this episode. Does it say why? Uh, it, it just says Dale does not. So uh, they only do it limited time. So Do you think it's because it's creepy? Uh, I don't exactly know. I, was it in the first episode? Um, because I, I know you see his eyes in the very first episode. They're creepy. But I wonder if that is because he takes his glasses off or he flips them up. I think he might flip them up in that one too. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure, but it it happens a limited number of times. I think 22 total. 22 is the total amount. This is news to me because I've seen it before. Dale does it many times in like very funny moments, and I didn't even realize it was something that was not continued on I, yeah maybe, I they, that maybe a... they just really want to hold that for overly dramatic moments and you know keep keep the mystique of kind of the uh you know the crazy you know conspiracy theorist nut and sort of the, the jim jones-esque face of the guy who never takes off his sunglasses to hide his veiny red eyes because he's been staying up all <laughs> night looking at you know rabbit hole after rabbit hole yeah i just looked at the document again number 23 dale does not flip his shades up and then like each most of the rules have like a little sketch beside them. Do you have like a jam pack of like the best ones? Uh, I did have a, I had a, a summarized list that I can uh, recite if you're. Uh... Yeah, give us like a good, like all the hits. Okay, I'll, I'll give you some hits. There's actually, there's a few good ones really. Let's, uh, let's start a segment we like to call Do's and Don'ts of King of the Hill. Go on. 
So let's start with uh, number six. Keep Bobby's acting deadpan. So wait, these are for the these are sorry sorry the, to cut you off. These are for the uh, an, these are to give to the, the director or American animators. And okay. Continuing on, number ten. Stop using Hank with hand rubbing neck in every show. Invent original acting. <laughs> <laughs> number sixteen. No skinny redcorns. John Redcorn is taller and more muscular than Hank. Not to imply that Hank couldn't kick Redcorn's ass if he was really <laughs> pissed. Uh, number 18, they seem to break this rule actually quite a lot, too. Like, I feel like these are just guidelines, right? Uh, so this one is no smiling or laughing Boomhauer. It has two pictures of uh, Boomhauer smiling, one and the other laughing, and it has big, like, X's over it. <laughs> and then it shows the proper one, and his line is, this is the funniest damn thing I've ever seen. <laughs> And then it has an arrow. This is about as giddy as Boomhauer gets. <laughs> um, number 20, don't draw Peggy too shapely. <laughs> there's like two pictures. One is really sexy Peggy. <laughs> this, well, there's one that's sexy Peggy, and she looks realistic Peggy. And then it says yes next to it. And the other one is Peggy, you know, with like hips and a, and a chest and a nice back curve. And it says no, animators dream Peggy. <laughs> Um, uh, number 21 is good. No high fives. John Wayne wouldn't do it, and neither would Hank. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Uh, brings us to 23. Dale does not flip up his shades. Um, and then they, they actually get, like, pretty, uh, pretty in-depth with it, like, about no jump cuts or incorrect hookups from scene to scene. Like, there's not just jokes in there, but they're riddled throughout. Here's one about, uh, Korea. I think I just had it here. Um... Keep dripping stuff tightly controlled by limiting the number of specific drops. Never ad-lib tears or other dripping as Korean EFX animators will usually way overdo it. And it has, like, a, two pictures of Luan, one with a couple tears, yes. The other one with, like, anime tears just oh, flying nice. out of her eyes and nice. it's no. So uh, that's yeah, kind of that, why, uh, yeah. That, that, that sort of thing's kind of cool. I mean, um, I'm not surprised at all that they have sort of a rule sheet. I mean, I was just pulling up some on my phone, and I saw that in terms of animation that uh, Wile E. Coyote and Roadrunner had one for that. And I know just from my own experience that uh, Breaking Bad in their writer's room, they had sort of a similar list. So I think that that's a common thing for yeah. a lot of shows, not only just animation, but also real shows as well, have sort of a... A, yeah, like a like like a Bible, right? Yeah, Simpsons did it, right? Yeah. So they have just sort of these rules, and I think it's a really good idea to just construct a narrative, especially if you're going seasons through seasons. You know, you, it's it's not the hardest thing in the world to forget certain rules that you've kind of laid out. You know, we're not going to flip out Dale's sunglasses. You say that in season one, but by the time you get to season twelve, you may have a whole different team of writers. So to carry a through line through all of that, I think it's a really cool way to construct a show, construct a narrative. I think they would be like, yeah, uh, like. I'm going to argue with you because Dale needs to flip his shades up because he really wants to get a good look at that guy moving boxes, which then takes us to the theme song. <laughs> and we can start this episode. <laughs> moving on, the guys realize um, that the budget movers are not their new neighbors. And to their dismay, a family of three Laotians move in next door to, to Hank. Are you sure they're not Chinese? <laughs> uh, I mean, they, 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 they Hank tries to say, like, well, we're good. We're not rednecks, damn it. <laughs> then he goes and gives them the good, uh, the good neighborly greeting. I am Khan Supanusimpon. 
Hmm, so that's pronounced con, right? I thought that line was really weird. Actually, because when I was watching, because like I always just thought it was because he didn't want to try and pronounce the last name. But when I looked at the, uh, I watched it with subtitles, and they actually spell it like K H N, or for every other time. But when Hank says it, then he says it con like James Con, like the actor, like C A A N. So I think it's like uh, I think they actually tried to make a different joke, but it doesn't come across unless you actually read it. That's it's really weird. Yeah, and it's not even that funny. But <laughs> that's it's, it's funny that it's interesting. So are you Chinese or Japanese? I live in California last 20 years, but uh, first come from Laos. Huh? Laos. We Laotian. The ocean? What ocean? We are Laotian <laughs> from Laos, stupid. It's a landlocked country in Southeast Asia. It's between Vietnam and Thailand, okay? This is like Population word for word the Wikipedia page. Million. <laughs> so are you Chinese or Japanese? There it is. <laughs> <laughs> I love how Khan is just such like a perpetual little firecracker. Like he just meets these like four big like dudes and he goes, Laos, stupid. <laughs> like he is an asshole, but like you feel you're kind of like on his side this episode because Hank goes crazy. Because he thinks he ate his fucking dog. <laughs> yeah. That is, well, he is an Which asshole. Which is like, crazy. Well, yeah. But, I mean, Dale does put the fucking bug in his ear about it. <laughs> He's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, uh, there was one fun fact I found out about that line. In the French-Canadian version, uh, instead of saying that he lived in California for 20 years, he lives in New Brunswick. <laughs> Just what? like, yeah. Like, oh, man, we trade magnifique. Yeah, okay, represent, right. represent. I don't believe Hank knows where New Brunswick is. <laughs> no. <coughs> Enter Mashy. <laughs> we have a special guest on the episode tonight. He doesn't even know what episode we're watching. In the blue corner with a bag of Dairy Queen. The Snack Wrap Supreme. Mr. Two Entrees rolling up. <laughs> Eats with passion. What's up, nerds? We're out here in the episode. Um, the guys are, they sit down and actually have a beer with Khan, I think. And they still have no fucking clue where Laos is or what he's talking about, where he's from. And um, I think they invite them over for dinner. I think that's what happens. And Peggy, yeah, I just. She makes the Peggy Brown Betty. I just have it here. <laughs> I just have it written down here that Peggy is stupid. And welcomes them to her country. Yeah. <laughs> They've been living in Anaheim for the last 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. She says, uh, it's like we get to travel to the Orient without having to worry about diarrhea or being jailed for our pro-democracy beliefs. <laughs> Luann actually has uh, such a sweet line that she follows that up with. I actually like felt myself going like, oh, that's a really good creed. You know, at the Beauty Academy, they teach us that people aren't black or white or yellow. Or red, but their hair can be. Amen. <laughs> I really enjoyed Luann's roles in these episodes where she's not featured. Like, she has one or two lines, she's in a few scenes, but they are like, there's much more weight to it compared to her. Like, when the episodes somewhat revolve around her in some way where she's kind of gets annoying and it's just a lot of dribble and her being emotional, I guess. But it makes me wonder, like, for an actress like uh, Brittany Murphy. Like, what, I mean, besides, like, t I guess table reads for episodes, like, she probably has to be around for a lot. But, like, as far as recording, she probably does the entire thing in 25 minutes. Yeah, not, not very long. Like, probably not very long. 
So now we're just, uh, we're full-fledged into the Supernusum Pones and the Hills uh, family dinner they're having. And I liked when they, when they first show up and they asked Khan to take his shoes off. He goes, why, do you just shampoo your carpet? <laughs> Did you, in the next scene, they're still, the yeah, they Supernusum are still wearing their shoes. Yeah. And, and I know all Hank and Peggy don't have shoes. Shut up. <laughs> Kurt, did you get lettuce on the I'm Baconator? Over here. <laughs> I don't think they put lettuce on a Baconator. Are you putting onion rings on it, too? First off, it's a flamethrower. And second off, fuck off. I got work to do. Right, we're getting distracted by all the Dairy Queen up in here. I don't know the the soundbite you had for this for this dinner thing, but when Peggy uh, says her little fun fact about China, oh, I skipped over. You that. skipped over that. It's just absolutely ridiculous, and I love that Con oh. instantly called her out on it. Peggy goes, um, "Was she surprised that Connie has never had beef chop suey before? Because they're still assuming she's Chinese, <laughs> and she assumes that's a traditional Chinese dish, yeah. and not just." Not yeah. just made in America. <laughs> yeah, the Peggy goes on to say, um, I read somewhere that in parts of China, meat is as scarce as toilet paper. And Khan calls her out on it. He goes, Where'd you read that? She goes, Well, I'm a I'm a substitute educator, so I have to, you know, read lots. He goes, Why are Ireland's test scores so low? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's totally roasts her in her own house oh. right there. <laughs> Peggy goes on to say that the recipe for her Peggy Brown Betty was originated from her grandmother, passed on to her mother, then passed on to her, and one day she'll pass it on to Bobby. <laughs> it's like, how many times have we all been there where our mothers embarrass us in front of a new good-looking girl? <laughs> Fuck, I think uh, this is definitely the scene, like, just after dinner, is where I think I have Min as one of my favorite characters of the show. I was thinking, I was... She's one of my favorites. I really like her in this episode. Oh, yeah, yeah. like, she immediately, I'm on her side. She's roasting Peggy for oh, the big feet. Oh, that was the best. Oh, my, Peggy Hill, what big feet do you have? Like, boot. Dude, once she steps in the shoes with her shoes already yeah, on, dude, and there's like... still space for another third <laughs> pair of shoes, it is like a boat. <laughs> Jesus, no wonder she has to go down to fucking weird Mexico to go get shoes. That's yeah, goddamn. Lubbock. Lubbock, Lubbock, Lubbock Texas, Texas, of course. Be careful, Bobby. That's one of them Chinese fighting dogs. Oh, it's a West Highland Terrier. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, <laughs> that's what I said. It's funny because I... Scottish. <laughs> The Hills are uh, introduced to Doggy uh, being West Highland Terrier, and then Hank proudly boasts about Lady Bird being a purebred Georgia Bloodhound. Yes, Con Jr., he's a doggy. Now, can you tell me his name? He's called Doggy. And that's called a doggy, too, but her name is Lady Bird. She's a purebred Georgia Bloodhound. Her mama tracked down James Earl Ray. <laughs> and we found out that Lady Bird's mama definitely did not track down James Earl Ray. I'll start the intro on Mr. James Earl Ray. Is this he just now a James Earl Ray podcast? Oh, it, I don't know who that is. It could be. Yeah, just who is okay. James Earl Ray? So James Earl Ray is, uh, you know, most infamously known for killing Martin Luther King Jr. Allegedly. Allegedly, but he definitely fucking did it. He was. Yeah, he, he so did it. He was born. <laughs> he so did it. He was born on March oh, March tenth, nineteen twenty eight. Um, and he died April 23rd, 1998 from hepatitis C oh, in, in wow, prison. Oh, wow, that's a while. Yeah, hep C. Oh, uh, in prison. 
His, oh, so they found him. Yeah, what a lot of people actually don't know is that hepatitis C makes you smell like Alpo, so that was likely a large uh, factor in the apprehension of this criminal. Yeah, and the reason he died in prison, the reason he wasn't executed, is because he confessed when they arrested him, and then shortly after he tried to change his story and still was up until up until the, the day he died. Um, he was originally sentenced to 20 years in prison for armed robbery. After eight years in jail, he escaped and uh, in a bread truck, and he continued to drift around Canada and the United States before settling down in a little vacation town I was just at called Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. And I don't know, Dustin, you want to talk about the hilarious life he was living in Mexico? So I'd love to. So uh, he's in Mexico October 19th, I think he arrives. What year? What year? 19. This is before Martin Luther King is. 1967. Is about a year before. So he's still alive. Yeah, he, King's still alive. He's okay. And kicking. Giving talks, traveling the country. Um, anyways, so he's in Mexico. He's got, uh, what is it, $159 from that armed robbery. Uh, That's it? $120 in the armed robbery. So he bought himself a, a Mustang, drove down. With 120 to, bucks? I, I guess so. I don't know. I think he might have stolen it. Okay. He, he's quite a reckless guy. Uh, oh, yes, his alias. Where is it? Eric Starvo Gult. Isn't that what we what you want us to call you? <laughs> Tip of the spear. <laughs> I don't want to be free beer. I want to be what that guy is. So he got some mail-ordered equipment, you know, camera, microphone. You know what he did? Picked up some hookers, and he filmed some porn. <laughs> As and, you do. And he did that for about a month before he started that's in, to that's strike really up a relationship investing. with one of the uh, said actresses, I think. He struck up the relationship with one of the one of the prosties, but he was also very frustrated with the results he was getting. <laughs> with the with the films, with filming these dirty prostitutes, and the like. This is 1967, right? Like I can't imagine the quality of the cameras he was ordering to Mexico for himself. Like it was probably like an I old BlackBerry. I can't believe he died 30 years later from an STD. <laughs> well, I mean, they some are slow acting; you don't see symptoms, uh, but. <laughs> okay, we'll talk about that later. So he lasted doing that for about 29 days and left. Lucky number. Yeah, 29 days. November 16th. I think I got some math wrong. Uh, and you guys he... uh, want to get some prosties or? <laughs> it is Thursday. <laughs> so wait, so Ladybird track Ladybird's mom will track him down. I I'd think... buy it. I believe. Uh, it. I mean, I believe maybe. It. I believe it. I don't think Ladybird's mom maybe, could read the descriptions. Maybe Ladybird's mom was helping out that day. But this was 1977, correct? Uh, that's his second escape. So oh. this dog has to be at least two to three years old in 1977. Sure. Being a, so let's say it born in 1975. Sure. But hang on a sec. Wait, wait, You wait. add 15 years. Say pretend it. Okay, so it could be alive, though? When Ladybird was born? When, no, Ladybird's mama. What did um, they say, Lady? This is, okay, we're in. What did Hank say? We're 97 right now. He said his mama tracked down James Earl Ray. That's what I'm saying. And the dog could be alive when James Earl Ray, Ray was tracked down in 77. Potentially. She's a purebred Georgia bloodhound. Her mama tracked down James Earl Ray. I think that's just... I think... I've, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and believe that whoever owned that dog was out walking it that day when James Earl Ray escaped, and it was in the area, and they were just like... Track it down and then set it, and then they were having fun, and that's how that's a, just a selling feature on the on the dog.
Yo, Ladybird, she real slut. Ladybird is not a slut. She is in heat. Her hormones have overwhelmed her natural modesty. I think it's physically possible for that tiny little dog to <laughs> impregnate or even attempt to have sex with Ladybird. And Khan got mad, like <laughs> she instantly shaming Ladybird. <laughs> I have it written down here that they are impressed by Khan's lawnmower, but they still don't know his race. <laughs> they still don't. They're still debating. Yeah, I think we've hit like maybe the nine minute mark, and, <laughs> and they've known Khan at least it's, a day and a half. I, I think they end the show not knowing where he's from. <laughs> it's almost like the make of his lawnmower is more important to a person like Hank than his person than this, you know his neighbor's race. Uh, apparently not, because... Well, hey, look that. Maybe Con will let you borrow his sexy little import. I'd cut my entire quarter acre with a lady bick before I'd borrow that man's mower. So it seems that now both Peggy and Hank do not like the Con family. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't going for it. I'm not being the one. I know it ends with phone. Supernusophone. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Supernusophone. And uh, I think at this point we see Peggy and Luann going to pick up dinner for the Hill family. Stop dawdling, Luann. We've got to pick up that pizza before the cheese gets cold and the pineapple gets hot. What's the rush? If we're not there in 30 minutes, it's free. <laughs> <laughs> Peggy just gives her like a deadpan stare. Because <laughs> that's how it works. <laughs> Luann is such a harsh dumbass, and I was almost kind of a little <laughs> a little surprised that the Hill family was chowed down on pineapple pizza. you think it'd be, like, pepperoni, or, like, that's it. Yeah, like, hardcore meat lovers, or well, Hank is I, not I mean, it. everybody gets, you gotta get a couple to please everybody. And Peggy's clearly the one who cares about the pineapple. Peggy would like Hawaiian. Fucking Peggy, God, I hate her. I don't like Hawaiian, but I like pineapple on pizza. I don't like ham on pizza. Sometimes I like. Sometimes I just barbecue up pineapple and just eat it. It's good. Yeah, the pineapple on pineapple. I call that a Binzi's mouth surprise. It is delicious. <laughs> um, so as we see Peggy and Luann rushing to go pick up their uh, possibly free pizza, <laughs> Min, Min runs out in the middle yeah, of the alley. Yeah, it comes flying out. I thought like when you first see that, you think that like the house is on fire. Yeah, or, like, I thought I thought she was reacting to the dog missing. Yeah, something. Something like that. Um, but instead, Min is um, apologizing in, in a, some sense for her uh, her mean comments to Peggy's stupid feet. And they invite the Hill family to their big barbecue that they're having. To Peggy's surprise that they even know what a barbecue is. And Peggy is so condescending, which is which is so, like, not needed because she is the stupidest person in Texas. <laughs> like, she's such an idiot. Well, thank you, men. We would be honored to come. And if you need any help with the barbecue or, or if you just want to know what a barbecue is, you give me a call. So Hank and Peggy are sitting with the pizza. They start talking about the new neighbors, and Hank has this line that I just I found really interesting. I wrote 
that I wrote that down as my as my favorite uh, quote line from this episode. It's the first one that we've done so far that hasn't been a humorous one, and I feel it's just, it's it's super relatable in some sense. Maybe in today's society, everyone's so touchy feely. Like Hank just wants to hate a guy because he's a dick. It doesn't matter what he looks like what or where he's from. What the hell kind of country is this where I can only hate a man if he's white? And cousin I mean, Colchester is guilty when he gets the howdy invitation. Yeah, howdy, howdy, howdy. <laughs> Thought you might enjoy 7.5 gallons of pure premium propane. Are you kidding? No, I cook with mesquite. Give me nice taste of wood. And I cook with propane. Gives meat nice taste of meat. I'd just like to point out quickly here um, that Toby Huss voices Colin. He also voices Hank's dad, Cotton. And I think he just does a fantastic job. I'm like, this, like, it just adds like so much. He's a comedian, right? Yeah, and yeah. he's like pretty like eccentric and pretty crazy. And like, this adds so many more layers to his role as a voice actor. And he does Colin so well. Like, he's like kind of like a stereotypical like foreign accent, but he's also so abrasive and obnoxious and loud every time he speaks. I think Toby just does a fantastic job with that. Yeah, he's got a great way of making him seem like he knows what he's talking about, but delivers it like an asshole. Yeah. He gets so much voice out of this small little, you know, con, con Sumo Nusen phone. From Laos. <laughs> what I actually found extra hilarious when I was watching the show is, like, we had a barbecue at work the other day, and I was the guy that had to go get propane, and a full tank is 7.5 pounds. <laughs> and, like, when I heard it, I was just like, yes, Hell nice yeah. accuracy. And I like that he... Uh, he has the bar. He has the burger there, and he thinks it's like the best burger ever. And, but first, they were getting all, they were all anxious. Yeah, might want to flip that over his shoulder. That scene reminded me so much of the one that we talked about earlier. Hank's got the willies when they're at Willie Nelson's party, and Dale and Bill are standing around the keg, uh, telling that woman how to fill up their beer. And it's the same thing, right? right. It's like just so, yeah. <laughs> Like, just know it all. Yeah, they just like nobody knows how to barbecue better than them or how to pour a beer better than them, right? Like they're just And everybody knows how to have a conversation better than them. Like <laughs> they go to the party and just stand there. Yeah. <laughs> just little comments. But uh I like that we get to pan through and see what everybody's doing at the barbecue, as they do with most events. But uh I like Bobby and uh Con Jr. when they're uh talking about how they'd get out of the dog leash. Connie would just dislocate her shoulder and ball. Oh. I'd chew through the leash. I bet it tastes just like a Bible cover. I like how after the dog gets away, of course, uh, Con Jr. runs after uh, Doggy down the street and Bobby just grabs the leash and starts <laughs> chawing on it. <laughs> <laughs> All of Bobby in this episode goes back to which I what I read over your shoulder when you were having the animation uh, like do's and don'ts, and it was like all of Bobby's acting has to be completely deadpan, and it's just so funny. Like he he could never say that this he figures the leash tastes like a Bible cover with any sort of like humor to it. Like he's dead fucking serious, and that's what makes it so funny. Yeah, you are. Right. It is. It does. It is that whole the whole humor of the show though. Yeah, it's just sort of that. I feel because like when I like when I'm sitting there watching it for like you know listening to this episode ten times I still there's still that awkward pause kind of before you start laughing almost and it's just like just imagine Hank having to sit there in person and be like okay then <laughs> no wonder he's, boy ain't right <laughs> boy ain't right anyways so that uh, leaves Bobby and Con Junior 
having to go look for the dog, right? Is there anything more about the barbecue we want to talk about? Because I think there's... Um, just that you guys were absolutely enamored by <laughs> Oh, yeah, everybody just loved the burgers. It. Huge plot, plot point. There's enough for everybody if three of you leave. <laughs> <laughs> Joke. <laughs> It was it was good. And Min, trying to be the friendly neighbor again, goes, "Oh Peggy, I made your brown Betty." And she goes, well, Peggy I, brown Betty. "I didn't give you the recipe." Yeah, Peggy brown Betty. And I love when she's she's like scouring around through the barbecue, handing out pieces of brown Betty to all the people there. And the one woman's like, "Well, Peggy, I can never keep your brown Betty down, but this is delicious." Like, it's like what a comment. We call that uh, apple crisp around here. <laughs> oh, is that what it is? Yeah, it's just like a like a oh, crumble, like a Okay. And like a yeah, it's like a bread. Apple crumble. I would have called it apple crumble, apple crisp, either one of the two. Apple crisp is a cereal. Uh, so this brings us to the scene of Khan and Bobby uh, looking for the dogs. And uh, they get chatting, and I think this is probably the like the second scene where they're beginning their friendship. Because in the first one, she's like, I only have one friend, just like my dog. And uh, now they're starting to chat, and they talk a little bit about themselves. And uh, Bobby just coming with the deadpan humor. Con Jr.? Yeah? Why are you named Con Jr.? My father wanted a boy. Yeah, so did mine. (laughs) 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 Yeah, when is he going to get it, though, right? Hank... Yeah, Hank wants a boy until I think the final episode of this entire series, <laughs> this entire show. Um, yeah, they uh, the guys are leaving the barbecue just after Bobby and Connie have released the two dogs, and they are just enamored and just keeps raving about these burgers. And Bill goes on to say, "Boy, it was so good, it's almost a shame to lose it to the process of digestion." <laughs> <laughs> it's probably the only good thing going on in Bill's life, like that entire <laughs> yeah, that entire month. Right? He's so sad. And then they they they, they see right away, um, or no, they go. Out, they ask Dale how many burgers he put down. Dale goes, "None. I don't eat dog." And it's, they just happen to be walking past the tree that Luan, or Lady Bird and no, doggy doggy were tied Lady to. Still tied up. Right. Still tied up. So what I'm thinking is, like, they, that must have been dog. a split-second excuse for Dale. Because, like, do you think he noticed no. the dog? You think he noticed it? I think it was a happy coincidence, just oh, like yeah. the entire episode. But oh, I yeah. do believe he didn't eat a, eat a hamburger because it. he believed it was dog. Mm-hmm. I also think he does a hundred things weird in a da- <laughs> on a daily basis for things that never actually get brought up. Yeah, and- <laughs> Oh, and more more foreshadowing. We find out later in the series that Dale doesn't eat the traditional like three meals a day. He eats nine small meals throughout the day. So I don't think the barbecue aligned with his weird eating schedule that he wasn't going to crush like four burgers. Speaking of Dale, since we're on the subject, I think we want to get into a line he has um, about. Uh, Con. He could be from Mars for all I care. Believe me, Hank, if Con were from Mars, you'd care. Especially after he's stolen every last drop of Earth's drinkable water to transport back to his home planet. Mars. <laughs> <laughs> and now, ladies and gentlemen, 
strap in for the local hothead in this week's bizarre episode of the tip of the spear with our good friend jody freebeer take it away buddy so is it is, is it just me or do i feel the temperature kind of going up a little bit in here i'm starting to get a starting to get a little little hot-headed here so uh, anyways if i just have a moment of silence here just for a second that's the neighborhood local now I noticed uh, I noticed by the looks of your guys' heads that you don't have uh, your aluminum caps on that I made for you. So if we could all just don our aluminum caps in order to accurately speak about these Martians, I would really appreciate it. Okay. So now that we've got that going, so so he uh, he starts talking about Mars. Like, what's what is the deal with Mars? So Mars is the fourth. That's a planet. Pla- that's a planet, correct? It's a planet. Yes, it's the Not fourth just planet. Just a delicious snack. It's the fourth planet from the sun, yes. It's also a delicious snack. Yes. And uh, Mars has two moons, and they are Phobos and Deimos. I did not do much research past that, although I can guarantee you the Greeks have a whole bunch of mythology behind those words. So anyways, uh, Mars has a ton of conspiracies involving extraterrestrial life and NASA, never a straight answer, (laughs) type covert shenanigans. But it's really a rabbit hole to end all rabbit holes. So I'll rattle off a couple of totally vetted, 100% legitimate facts up in here. So let's dip our proverbial toe into the red pool that is Mars. So a man named Robert David Steele, who spoke on the esteemed Alex Jones joint that is InfoWars, a.k.a. America's only true reliable news source for patriots, NASA, this time I spelt it with a dollar sign because fuck them, sent child sex slaves to Mars, which took 20 years to get there. So, exactly. No, don't even get into the water. <laughs> so they they said they said these child sex slaves, which are not sex, they're not childs by the time that they get there because it takes twenty years. So they sent them up there. Yes. So and then it, he didn't talk much further. Is it sex for the Martians? Is it sex for space pirates or secret Nazis up there? Who knows? But the absolute most fascinating part of this is a NASA spokesperson actually had to address this and dismiss it because this is the much, this is how much this, this is how much fucking clout that the motherfucker Alex Jones has. Yes, they had to come out and they had to publicly dismiss it and say that there is not child sex slaves on Mars. They, I don't think they necessarily went into and said specifically child sex slaves but they, of course they went into it and they would refuse that by saying there is no one on Mars, right? Because they're not going to say child sex slaves. Anyways, down to the next uh, theory here. So there's tons of theories on a space-based type of military colony hidden on the planet, and most of those are Photoshop pictures to make the uh, the surface look like there's structures or like a red Area 51 type thing with a bunch of straight lines. Or sometimes it's just a recluse who's stared at a topographical rock display for far too long and is convinced it's a building. And in one case, it was Google who was actually pulling an April Fool's joke on us. So they had, uh, they, they had a picture of Mars that they had actually faked on April Fool's and said, okay, we found like a structure like straight line. You know, Mother Nature doesn't create straight lines. So uh, just a third one here just to wrap it up. Last but not least, many people claim that NASA has, sent, has not sent any robots to Mars. These totally logical productive members of society claim that the Mars rover robot, appropriately named Curiosity, has been taking pictures of Devon Island, which is located in Baffin Bay, Nunavut, in northern Canada. Not in Baffin Bay. Is this a Nunavut, Nunavut. Natty? <laughs> 
in northern Canada. So um, not only does this island hold the title of the largest uninhabited island on the planet, it also looks eerily tundra-like, and it looks like a surface of a planet. Like, I, I, I have... Maybe planet Earth. <laughs> uh, yes, but, like, of, of another planet, obviously, speaking of Mars, right? So... Um, they look strikingly similar to what the Mars rover Curiosity photos look like. So to wrap up here, I will mention that NASA has stated that due to the massive dust storm engulfing the red planet, the Curiosity rover has gone dark and is inactive. Is the dust storm a cover for something more nefarious? How's the Wi-Fi up there? How did Jared Leto and his buddies cut travel time to Mars down to 30 seconds? Is the real Matt Damon still there? Tune in to another episode to find out. Stay woke, not broke. All right, thank you, you crazy motherfucker. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I don't think I've ever heard a Canadian pronounce none of it Nunavut. I don't think I've ever heard that before. He's French-Canadian, it's different. It is, yeah, he is French-Canadian. He's from Joe Sackick was his roommate. Was that it? Who the <laughs> fuck is Joe Sackick? <laughs> okay, here are the facts as I see them. Con served your dog. And back to the episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pulling my head out of those clouds. So, Dale, um, it's pretty easy to imagine that he convinces Bill that he ate dog because he's an idiot. But he convinces Boomhauer, I guess. But more importantly, Hank, who is just... I'd well, Hank doesn't believe it at first. But he... He still believes it, which is just such a bizarre, far-fetched thing for Hank to be into. But Bill, on the other hand, he's probably already thought about this no, and is still on the he, fence, right? No, he's resigned to the fact that he's like, he's going to cook up dog. Dog is man's best friend. You wouldn't eat your best friend, would you? Of course not. Wait, are we talking about some kind of lifeboat situation here? Because I don't want to paint myself into a corner. But I feel like Bill would be just all right if the new way of the world was uh, was dog on the menu. He's dog friendly. <laughs> he was, He's dog friendly. Yeah, he would do it. He states in the episode that he is. He goes, maybe they're on to something. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Bill's just a landfill. He'll eat anything. <laughs> why? Why would they shoot people? Human meat's tough, flavorless. They should be out hunting for more dogs. <laughs> more dogs. Bill is such an idiot. <laughs> Funny thing is, is that now the rest of the gang does exactly that. They notice Ladybird goes missing, and they're on a wild goose chase for Ladybird. They're just crazy rednecks. <laughs> and Dale gets them all hot and bothered about the fact that he thinks Khan is going to assassinate them by means of blow dart, which is such a... <laughs> They'll probably get you with a blow dart. That's their way. But you'll just think it's a mosquito bite. Until you die, <laughs> then you'll what know the truth. <laughs> What truth. a ludicrous way for some new neighbor to kill somebody with a blow dart. You gotta probably train for years on oh, blow yeah, dart. Yeah. Blow like, how do you do that? Yeah, like, I think you have to be relatively close to the person. Like, I can't imagine a blow dart range is, you know, much more than like spitball a distance. couple of rooms. Like, no yeah. bigger than a classroom. Yeah. I think you'd know it wasn't a mosquito. Like, you'd have maybe a dart. Well, in you'd your be neck. dead. Oh, yeah. Well, My bad. Yeah. <laughs> Till you die. He's Look up the poison serious. arrow frog. That's what they use it for. Check it out. Poison arrow frog. Not gonna do that. But uh, moving on. <laughs> 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 I 
I hate you so much. I'll, I'll take your word for you, you crazy son of a bitch. Wimitonia. <laughs> Do you die? Basically, all of Dale's crazy ramblings convinces the entire guys. And well, that and now Ladybird's missing. Well, yeah, and I have a <laughs> Dale's. Tales investigation oh consists of testing the water bowl and the dogs. Q. It's still wet. Maybe there's time. <laughs> no fucking shit, Dale. Yeah, it has not evaporated in the 15 minutes yeah. <laughs> since you last saw the dog. He's got a point. I have a theory here, as I know. As why to the guys think that, or why the guys buy in? I, I have a theory here as to why the guys buy into Dale's schemes, because they've just been at a barbecue, baby. They're hammered. <laughs> yeah, like, probably. Like you just said that they're rednecks. I was like, man, how many beers deep do rednecks get at barbecues? Like they're they're drinking a six pack in in just like an after every after. Oh no no they're they're primed up to go before <laughs> yeah. the barbecue yeah. with minimum six. Yeah. Right. Like they're probably twelve. Well, that's just their daily alley hangout. Yeah, absolutely. And this barbecue's not till what? Maybe two. Like yeah. that's pretty late in the old afternoon there for the for the boys. They're at least six beers deep each because especially Hank. Because he knows it's going to be awkward. He's got to really get a good buzz on if he wants to pretend he likes these people. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, like, just the best way of, like, dealing with those crazy people like Dale is you just, you just don't think about it. You yeah. just you just don't ask a lot of questions. Good point. You just realize this guy's of his own mind, and <laughs> he's going to think what he wants to think, and you just don't got to poke holes in it. Does he remind you guys of anybody? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some crazy <laughs> So the guys are half cut. They just believe they ate dog, and now the dogs are missing. And what what are they gonna do now? Hanks out there with his you go weed, weed whacker, hundred yeah, percent, and his reconnaissance miss- mission, <laughs> whacking the the flower the flower bed in front well, of the kitchen window. Yeah, right after he he eavesdrops on a conversation, thinking Men's, that it's a butcher shop for or a special butcher shop for dogs. Obviously, it's not. But uh, then she notices Hank, tries to call Con, and then Hank pretends that he can't hear her by turning on the weed whacker. <laughs> There's a solid two seconds. Oh, just how he says weed whacker too. Weed whacker. <laughs> and they could have. He could have just said hi, and they would have been like, "Hey, good to yeah. see ya." Like. And then I think Hank comes back again, and Con, Con's like, <laughs> "That crazy redneck's back." That's a bat. Yeah, he grabs the bat and goes, because that's a Hank goes real crazy after that. Right, this is the big blow up they have, the big, yeah, the and, big fight. And right. then so, and so he's yelling at him about the dog. So he's yelling at him about, about thinking that he's got his dog because he's going to eat it. And then, uh, and that's when the kids come up and tell him what happened. And tell him what really happened. Like with a bat in hand, like, oh, yeah. what did you think? Yeah. What did I, you think I did? And he's just like, oh, nothing. <laughs> I love so much when they're scolding the kids, and um, Hank is looking at Bobby, and he goes, like, he goes, you made me go crazy or whatever. And God's like, Connie, you made the neighbor go crazy. Yeah. You made the neighbor man go crazy. Yeah, and so eventually they both kind of, like, climax meets resolution when they both yell, go to your room, and that's like, the turning point into them being friends. It's like Batman versus. Oh my Superman. god! <laughs> my point. Oh, was oh, it? Fuck. Sorry. Exactly. It's bullshit. It. It's bullshit. Both of you kids want to talk about that dumpster fire of a movie? <laughs> oh man! It's like your it's mom's so name's sure. Martha. I think it's barbaric. 
How about bed without dessert? Never fail. Huh. Wouldn't figure a child could be motivated by a fortune cookie and an orange <laughs> slice. <laughs> like, I just howled. I don't know why. Like, that's just perfect dessert. I don't know. It makes it seem like Hank is like making this up, yeah. but Khan defends it. He's yeah. like, he's like, he's like, the cookie may be small, but it's filled with wisdom. But the orange is sweet and juicy. And then Hank goes on to say, "We may deny our children completely different desserts, but they both go to bed hungry, and that's what counts." <laughs> Such a solid message just to end off the episode. There, I love that after the credits. Well, I guess yeah, the dogs come home. Yeah. And Dale gets hit with a mosquito blow dart. <laughs> but then the credits hit, and uh, Peggy and Min are in uh, Min's kitchen, is it? It's all the. No, it's Peggy's it's, kitchen. It's, it's all Peggy's recipes. And she just. And it's all her prized r- recipes, and she just says, add nutmeg to everything. And then when they get to the rabbit. And this here is my very own rabbit stew. <laughs> <laughs> rabbit! You rednecks will eat anything. <laughs> I love it. I love, I think I just love that part of this show. It's just like, which, they could have gone totally one way with it, where it was all about how these rednecks don't understand this other culture. And I think I think it's funny how they, they did show that part, but they also highlighted the fact that, like, other cultures fucking get it, that, like, rednecks are ignorant. And, like, <laughs> this is just the shit they put up with, and it's just, like... But it's also it goes both ways yeah. a little like it's so now that brings me to a question. Do you think she's doing nutmeg as a joke or do you think that's what she actually believes? Uh, I don't know enough about cooking. I think it's what she believes wholeheartedly. I don't think she's messing with Peggy and the people at the barbecue seem to agree with with yeah. men. Yeah, she seems to be on something. Yeah. Nutmeg is good. We I don't know probably what invest it is. In nutmeg. Is it cinnamon? And that brings us to uh, the end of our our dialogue on the episode. Now we can think and talk about what we thought about the episode. And I, I'm kind of undecided, honestly. It's uh, it's it's a solid seven, I think, somewhere around there. I love the introduction of these uh, Southeast Asian neighbors into the into the uh, the Rainy Street neighborhood. Um, I wish maybe they spent a little bit more time on the characters themselves as opposed to. Hank and the guys believing Dale's nonsense gibberish, but I don't think I have any complaints about this episode other than the fact that Peggy was in it. <laughs> and she's just so dumb and annoying, but no, that's that's my thoughts. Uh, I'm th- actually a little bit thankful for Peggy in this episode because it gave me a chance to like a new character, Min. Really excited to see more of Min. She made me laugh a lot. Uh, I enjoyed the episode. I thought it maybe wasn't like the funniest of episodes, but then again, like... Intro a new characters, still keeping a, a theme going, like playing on the obvious redneck um, prejudice. It and shows misconceptions. the so shows the storylines to come. Exactly. So I think it's a nice primer episode with some good moments, and like I enjoyed it. I learned a lot about uh, what's his name again, uh, Ray, James Earl Ray. James Earl Ray. Sorry, I've had a few too many Arl- beers. <laughs> Almos. Um, I, uh, I, I think, I think, yeah, like, I was really excited when, because Colin's one of my favorite characters, and I, and I think Connie, like, out of the kids, I think she's, like, well, she's clearly the smartest, like, oh yeah I think she's the, uh, I just like the whole family, and Min, I, I have a new appreciation for Min in this episode, now that I've really been thinking harder about King of the Hill, yeah, I like Min a lot more, um, but, 
so I was really excited when I saw that it was this episode. Mm. Um, but yeah, I was a little bit underwhelmed. I, it wasn't the it wasn't all the good funny bits I thought it was going to be. Yeah, I see where you're coming from on that. Coming like looking through going through the audio, it was just like a lot of kind of plot and uh, I couldn't find a lot of just it one minor I mean, jokes like really the characters hard hitting. Are ones. important in the show. So it is kind of like you do kind of like they aren't there from the very start, I guess. So you do kind of have to introduce them like it's they take their own. They take their time to actually introduce them. So it makes them feel a little bit more fleshed out, uh, thought about than the actual than just a day to day cast. No, that's a good point. It kind of. Yeah, it lets you know. Yeah. That they're going to be featured again and remember these characters. Especially, into, yeah, especially Connie. And it, yeah, it, that's what I was going to say. Introducing the Super News phones, it's one more thing for Hank to be annoyed about, but it gives Bobby such a depth and character to not just have his best friend, Joseph, but to call him as a female neighbor and friend. Which I also just thought it was just weird that Joseph wasn't in the episode at all. Yeah, Bobby I guess. the barbecue at least. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure he was there, but he uh, he wasn't wasn't featured. I'm sh- well. I mean, uh, it seemed like it might have been just for adults because uh, Bobby and and Connie weren't oh, even yeah, hanging out at it. Yeah. I understand that. So I, I I'm not the hugest fan of King of the Hill, as you guys know. I haven't seen a ton of it, but I do know that the Con family is a very prevalent uh, family of characters throughout the show. And uh, so, so I recognized that the introduction of the Con family was pretty important. I thought that was cool to see. I enjoyed the barbecue scene, and I thought some of the Bill Bill's lines were pretty well done. And there, there, there were a few comedic moments to it. But overall, I'd probably side with, uh, just like Miles said, it's, you know, like a 6, 7 out of 10 sort of episode. There wasn't anything spectacular or anything like that, any super laugh-out-loud moments. Comparing it to the pilot episode, this does a better job of introducing people's um, personalities um, in the entire street uh, just because like yeah like they don't uh, in the first one Hank is way over the top mm-hmm. and it's not the Hank that we know I know pilots are always a little different but just even it just as origin stories I guess like this one does does a better job of introducing everybody I think including uh, the super nusophones I think maybe it's time. I'm going to pass it over to troop leader Lays with Beeve, and we can maybe put the final nail in this coffin. Absolutely. Thanks for all attending, those who joined, those who joined late. Kurtman, can I hear a round table Wima Tanya with the squad? Wima Tanya! Thanks for coming to the clubhouse. Order the straight arrow, signing off. <laughs>